So adherence is remembering and prioritizing and executing on the prioritization. Adherence is the key to sales. If you adhere to things, you'll understand the three no rule, the 25 no rule. You'll be able to handle so many more opportunities, but you gotta be tough. And toughness and telephone adherence is what I teach. Welcome to the Sales Masters Podcast. Here, we're gonna be interviewing titans of industry, bringing you the hacks, the tips, and tricks from the whole of the world on how you can get more effective in your business. We're gonna bring some of the biggest names from across the world to drop their bombs, drop their information, to give you the info you need to thrive in business. We're gonna talk about the struggles, we're gonna talk about the successes, and everything in between. today's podcast, we have an amazing guest. We have the one, the only, David Meltzer. David Meltzer is one of the leading forces within the business and the speaking world. Not only has he released three amazing books, he's gone from the rags to riches, lost a hundred million, gone back to zero and then back up again. He's widely regarded as one of the greatest speakers on the planet right now. And I'm absolutely over the moon that he's joining us today. The idea behind David coming on today is to share some of those hacks, those tips, those tricks so that you can go off and use those within your business. This is gonna be amazing. Hi guys, welcome to the Sales Masters podcast. Today we are joined by an absolute legend in every single area. Um, I was talking to someone earlier and we rightfully said David Meltzer has got sales within his blood. If we look at his bio, it reads like something that most people only dream of. Went pre-med, graduated law, rags to riches, lost 100 million, back to the top again, co-founded Sports One Marketing, um, has a three-time international bestseller, top 100 business coach, executive producer. I mean, the list just goes on, David. Welcome. Um, thanks for coming on today. Thank you so much. And I appreciate the opportunity to hopefully share some inspiration and some dummy tax that I've paid along the way so other people can share in the same joy. Well, yeah, I mean, exactly that. I mean, the whole idea of a Sales Masters podcast is to bring the titans of industry on to, to really share those tips, hacks, and tricks, which can shuck, sort of either put a light on some of the things that they've done, or I think there's a lot of shortcuts out there, not shortcuts in life, but we can learn from others' lessons. So I, mean, I know with yourself, sales is something which your first job hit it high, right? I mean, you made your first million after, was it nine months in sales? Yeah, nine months out of law school, despite my mom telling me the internet was going to be a fad and I should use my law degree in a traditional manner. She was wrong. I was born to be a salesperson and uh, I outdid the next closest person uh, by three to one. And we ended up selling that company three years later in 1995, mind you, for $3.4 billion. Wow. So when we, when we talk about that, just to jump into that for a second. So obviously, web pre-med graduated law was there a temptation at all to go towards that side or were you just you knew when you saw that because i think it was a 250k a year job right can you tell us about that it's so interesting because i my priority was to please my mom because i wanted to buy my mom a house and a car 
So up until almost the second year in law school, I would never imagine doing anything that my mom, uh, because of how much she had invested in me, how much she had sacrificed for me, how unbelievable of a mother she was and the success she's had with my siblings. I had five siblings all in the Ivy League, summa cum laude, all successful. I felt as if there's no way I can tell my mom she doesn't know what she's talking about. But because I wanted to buy my mom a house and a car, because money was so important to me, unlike my siblings, I made the decision that, and it was just a hedge, right? I made a decision that I was going to go for the higher paying job. And if I failed, I could always go back and be a lawyer. If the internet was a fad or I sucked at sales, I could always go back to being a lawyer. In fact, I hedged my bet by taking the bar examination and passing it even though I didn't have to for my sales job, just in case my mom was right. We've got to keep the mums happy for sure. I think that's definitely the thing. What would you say for over the, the, the career that you've had, key attributes for people that want to succeed in sales? Do you feel like they've changed? What would you say some of the key, key attributes would be? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the number one thing that has changed for me is that I innately, quantum in my nature, an energetic and genetic inheritance, I'm an overseller, a back-end seller, a liar, a manipulator, and a cheater. Uh, and those are great attributes to hit your commissions and do big bonuses, but it's not going to create a longevity or a great career for yourself. And so the number one paradigm shift for me was credibility. Uh, of being able to sell by telling the truth, uh, by, by asking open-ended questions, leading with closed-ended questions to two simple questions. Would it help you if, and do you know anyone that could help me? These are two critical sales questions uh, that I have learned are superpowers of mine. And let me tell you what has changed, why those questions became more and more powerful is that when we were limited in our reach, no matter how big of a company you work for, you were limited by technology to reach a lot of people. Yes. You had to be very targeted. So we created avatars and we called them the low hanging fruit and solution selling, spin selling, you know, Brian Tracy, all my mentors, Dennis Waitley, all talked about the specificity of the avatar of the key low hanging fruit and making sure we're spending our time in our pipelines and from stimulating interest to transitioning interest and sharing a vision, every single part. But what has changed is now you don't, I think you are doing yourself a disservice if you're only after the avatar. What you should be targeting is open minds. See, if you can get to an open mind, you can ask him, hey, if I'm selling solar, what are you doing today to solar? What do you know about solar? Open-ended questions. Hey, would it help you if I did this? Would it help you if I reduced the cost in your insurance, increased your appreciation of your home? All these things. Do you know anyone, right? Do you know anyone? Is there any way? And boom. Now, why is that so important? Because even the average person has about a thousand people in their network, not just the golf group, the card game, you know, all these small little microcosms of opportunity. This is 7.6 billion people reachable. And so if we limit ourselves to the low hanging fruit, instead of looking for open minds and asking the right questions to provide value to open minds. See, open-minded people attract open-minded people. Yes. And open-minded people have open hearts. And open hearts have open hands. 
all you need in order to sell is to find someone with an open heart, open hands, and an open mind. They're going to give you a whole pool of people. You'll be overwhelmed with opportunity. Your biggest problem in sales today should be prioritizing the opportunities that you have because that's the size, scope, and scale of the audience. I find it fascinating you say that, and I think it's interesting, right? When, when we talk about people in sales, People just seem to wait, right? They wait on the edge. That one question, who do you know, right? If you don't ask the questions, no one's going to go, by the way, before you leave, let me just give you 10 people. You could all, they're not going to just automatically throw it away. And why do you think people shy away from asking such simple questions? Well, let, let me give you a little historical uh, story. I did some consulting for Sidney Frank. He's, he's the founder of Home Depot, a fairly large company in the United States and worldwide, by the way. And anyway, at... Home Depot, they have three different types of checkout. The contractors, the consumers, and the guard, they have four, garden, and then they have automatic, right? Self-checkout. They sell appliance insurance, right? You, you, you want a warranty and they make a fortune on the warranties. The number one outlet, the number one sales outlet of all those fours, not the contractor, not the consumer, not the garden, but the self-checkout's the number one salesperson of warranties. Why? Because it asks every, every time. single time. A, a completely impersonable, nothing except for just a notice, would you like to buy the, the warranty? Just asking, no, no personality, no trust, no like, just asking. <laughs> and it aggregates to more sales than all three of those things. If that doesn't tell you how important it is to ask, then nothing ever will. Because if you just ask with the most monotone green screen voice that says, do you know anyone that can help me? And guess what? Once you ask that question, you qualify the most important qualification. One, a closed mind says no. Because everybody knows somebody. Yes. So a and the best gift you can get is to identify a closed mind because it takes a thousand times the energy and time of money and value to convert or re-engineer a closed mind that it does an open mind. So one, you immediately qualify the closed mind. Then you qualify two different types of people. A sponsor, someone who says, yeah, I know a ton of people that would love solar. Or you get something even better, a power sponsor. Someone that says, not only do I know people that need solar, I need solar. Hey, can you help me? This is the simplistic way today that we've been afforded via technology to increase the amount of sales that we can make in an efficient, effective, and statistically successful way. Ask, ask, ask. I love it. I love it. And it's interesting. I see how great the internet is as a tool to help you. And do you think there, there's a part of this that, for people that have sold without the internet, they're at a real advantage. They sometimes see it as a dis because they're like, they know what it's like to get handed um, a, a phone book and they go, there's your leads. Like to actually get handed, if anyone watching this back doesn't realize it, literally in sales jobs, people would be like, phone until lunch, take an hour, you come back, that's your training. Here's a phone book, call up and get an appointment. And it was just that simple. And now I think if you've gone through that, if you've gone through the cold winter of sales, to get handed such an abundance of access to anyone on Instagram, Facebook, even LinkedIn and these areas, we've just got it made, right? This is one of the best times to be alive for salespeople, isn't it? 
Bravo. And it's the least competitive time as well because of the closed minded and circuitry of experientials and situational knowledge. Uh, I am an old school roll of quarters speaking about the cold storm and I started phone booth, (laughs) a phone booth. And if they didn't have a yellow pages in the phone booth, I was in trouble. And I was thrilled when we got calling cards. I know there's a lot of young people. They don't even know what I'm talking about, but you used to have to dial like 18 different numbers to make a, 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 corporate paid long distance phone call. Uh, But more importantly, if you don't understand, there's still though, in the point that I want to make four things that are an advantage of someone that did uh, did grow up in the ice age of sales. Um, What we do is number one, you're always selling in person. You're always selling on the phone. You're always selling via email and you can sell via media, traditional and social media. When you realize that we went from only telephone and, and, and well, originally only door to door, then yeah. telephone was great, right? Then we moved to email. We thought that was great. Then, or fax, email, and then, and then we moved into, you know, this digital age of social media. Holy the moly. The thing that we have to realize, though, and I want everyone to, to understand this, is that each of these aspects can be amplified by social media, meaning- yes. My, you know, my personal in-person stuff, I'm videotaping it. I'm modifying it, amplifying it and perpetuating it on social media so that now not only do I have this huge audience, but I have a perpetual nature to all my sales stuff and it creates more buzz and more contact, more ask. If I do an ask on content, who knows how many millions of people are going to hear my ask? Hey, do you know anyone that can help me? Yeah. And I think it's amazing, right? When we look at this, we look at how wide so many people now, we always used to have that whole thing about sales and marketing and they were used to be very separate. And now you've got people that it's all melted together and it's almost people seem to be choosing now. Well, do I try and do it all automated or you've got some old school people that just want to crank out the phones. And there's such an opportunity when people get that real right mix between the two, right? using your social media, getting the right copy, getting the right information, asking the right questions, but then leading them into the physical interaction, the hand-to-hand combat. I would love to ask you a question. You said to me before, I'm trying to remember what you said. You were saying that toughness, what was it you said about toughness? But toughness is a lost art, (laughs) right? And it It is is a bit, isn't it? Could you talk a little bit about the way you feel about that? Because I'd love people to hear this because coming from you, it means so it means the world, I think, to a lot of people. Yeah, look, you know, people are afraid of rejection, you know, and it stems from social media, right? We we put up these comparisons and that's what we're doing is when we comparisons, the thief of joy. And so people have lost. They're so entitled. You, You kind of mentioned it even with, you know, People don't even realize the ice age of sales. They don't understand what a phone booth is or a yellow pages is or a white page. They just don't. Well, I purposely teach people in person, all my salespeople in all that I consult with in person, on the phone. Even, these are separate trainings, separate trainings on how you stimulate interest, transition interest and share a vision. Some have more capabilities. Than others. Let me give you a good example of tough toughness. Just the fact that people aren't willing to call. How do I know this? I have a huge social media following, as you know. Millions of people watch my videos, TV shows, blah, 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 blah. My email is full. 
always. I'm constantly on top of my email. My Instagram is full. My LinkedIn is full. My TikTok is, the the messages are are ridiculous. Guess what the only place that's empty that if you want David Meltzer's attention, you get? Terrified. I have zero messages. I got zero messages. And here's the funny thing about the phone, right? You know what you're getting because you either get one of two things. The person answers or... The person doesn't answer. So the strategy is so easy because if they don't answer, your only objective is to get them to call you back. You don't have to sell. Your only objective is to get people to call you back. If you do that alone, you will exponentially and statistically increase the number of sales that you make. Just think that 20% of all messages sent out get returned. Of all messages, imagine if you increase, you return on your messages 10%. Imagine just by knowing the only reason to send a message is to get somebody to message you back. That's the only reason. Now, if they answer, you have to be uh, you know, skilled in transitioning the interest and sharing a vision, but you have to be skilled in that when they return your message anyway. So I think the phone is the primary place in order to start. Then you can follow up with the email, media, social media. Remember, repetition and consistency is the key to sales, which creates toughness. See, what what is combined with toughness as well, Dave, is adherence. See, these are two simple things that people don't train. I train adherence. What's adherence? Two things. Remember what you're supposed to do. And two, prioritize effectively and do it. 100% of the things you do now get done. I will tell you, I was one of the top sales rep in a $17 billion company in revenue, right? We sold it for 3.4 billion in 1995. Out of everyone though, I will tell you that I had some long-term opportunities that, you know, December 1st, call this guy back and it was October, November, every day. I'm like, oh, I can't wait. December 1st came, and something happened personally or, you know, and guess what? I woke up the morning saying, yep, when 9 a.m. happens, this guy told me to call him December 1st. Somehow at 6 or 7 p.m., I looked down and go, oh, my God, I forgot to call him. So adherence is remembering and prioritizing and executing on the prioritization. Adherence is the key to sales. If you adhere to things, you'll understand the three no rule, the 25 no rule. You'll be able to handle so many more opportunities, but you got to be tough. And toughness and telephone adherence is what I teach. I love it. And for me, exactly the same. Whenever I talk to anyone, I'll pull people over hot coals if I have to, to get them to love the phone because there's so much with it. The fear that people have is false, right? It's not a real fear. They're worried about some ogre at the end that's going to be this big meanie. When we know, actually, we can hear the passion. We get the tonality. We can hear all the little things that we just can't get from email, right? I mean, you can send a voice note and stuff like that. Go on, what please. about just the fact knowing someone's busy? Yeah. By calling them, even if they answer, you can get a feel for this is just not the right time, emotion, or value. And when you send an email, you may think they're rejecting you, but geez, their dog just died, right? You you sent the email at the wrong time. When you call someone, right, you can leave the message so they can call you back and it stays there and there's no competition. Or they can tell you, I've had a horrible thing happen. Can I call you back? No problem. Let me know if there's anything I can do to help with that problem. If not, I'll look forward to your call. Does that sound fair? Boom, you're done. You know, it's, it's really important to use that phone. 
A hundred percent. And I love what you're saying. I, I've always, I've always spoke to people and said the same thing. And I say, when you, you can have a five second, 10 second conversation on a phone, and that can be like a hot poker on the memory bank to that person, right? They can remember your voice, what you said, even if they don't remember what you said, they remember they quite liked you or they had an impression that was good. I don't get that off an email ever, right? You must be the same. Or a voicemail, right? So, like, but when you're talking to someone, what did Maya Angelou say? Nobody's going to remember what you said. They're going to remember how they you felt. Feel. Yeah. Right. And that's what you're talking about. We can make people feel somewhere. I, you know, you hear of clairvoyance. These are people that can see in the future. I'm a clear sentient, uh, right? I feel people. And I can make people feel. So it's a great aspect in sales. Uh, speaking is another one. I can be in front of 20,000 people at the Sydney Theater. And each person thinks I'm talking directly to them because I'm a clear sentient. Understanding the way we feel. Being able to be emotional. Put our energy in motion. People respond with like energy and frequency. So when you are forceful and confident and clear, you are going to statistically increase your chances of sharing a vision with someone because you make them feel clear, confident in what you're saying. And that's the huge difference. They may not even listen to what you're saying, but they feel clear and confident in what you're saying and they're ready to move forward. I love it. I tell you what, it's just an absolute honor having you on today. It really is. When we're talking about, say, someone sat there now, they've got a business, they've got a venture, they're in a sales role. Everyone gets to that ceiling. Well, we get some people get to a ceiling and some people just get to a, complac a complacency level, right? What's the big thing you say now? If you were magically in front of someone and they've hit that ceiling, they've had the same stuff going on for six months. What, what's the big change you, you, you would sort of um, initiate with them initially to, to get moving forward? Yeah, so I always start with a conversation about resistance and how quantitative values create resistance. And this is one of the biggest objections in sales is that most salespeople have quotas or they have goals, you know, some sort of numbers. I need to sell $200,000 by December 1st or whatever. You cannot work in the construct of that because even if you're successful, so let's say we're starting into December 1st, and I say, you need to make a million dollars by December 31st. And you're going to make this to pay for the trip around the world, the pony in the backyard and the diamond ring for your <laughs> wife. It means you're going to have a very happy year for 2022. Meanwhile, let's say on December 1st, in the first 10 minutes of cold calling, you get a $900,000 deal. Mm. Right? Okay. So here's the problem. Whether you have zero or 900,000 in day one, the minute day two starts, you're creating more resistance because you still only, the time is fleeting on you. So what happens is I try to get people to shift from the quantitative into speed. See, speed is in your favor. It has no resistance and it's effortless. So when I say I want to close as many deals as I can, as fast as I can, that is a much scientifically, physically more healthy thing to say because you're actually clearing interference and resistance instead of creating it. The minute you take those quantities, like when you can get a, a salesperson to understand speed, which is created by productivity, accessibility, and gratitude, created with efficiency, effectiveness, and statistical success in mind, when you can look for speed, 
Now you're able and capable of living between limitlessness and infinity. You're able to allow someone to ask bigger than even the company's asking for. I think what made me a great sales rep right out of law school is I didn't know any better. Yes. So when they said my, my comp plan was 250, I wanted to make so much more. I'm like, all, I did the sales the first week. I'm like, this shit's easy. I'm gonna I'm gonna wake up at 4 a.m. and I'm gonna spend the whole day till 10 p.m. I'm not married. I don't have kids. I don't have a car. I, I'm the only single guy. I'm the youngest one. They're paying for my car, my hotel room, my food, my dry cleaning, my cell phone, which is a bag phone. You know, literally <laughs> <I was> suitcase. <laughs> exactly. But I was like, are you kidding me? Why, why is my comp plan only 250? I can, I can sell three, four, five times as much. I'm going to do this as fast as I can because I didn't know any better where the other guys have been selling books for years and now it's online. And they're like, yeah, I make 250 a year. Yes. Right? I make two, I, I'm fine. I got my house, my car. I'd rather spend time with my kids. Meanwhile, there is a healthy balance. Not everyone's 24 years old and hungry like I was. But, you know, a lot of those guys missed out on a huge opportunity because they did exactly what you're talking about. They leveled off. They plateaued. They lived their lives like tubes, food in, food mm. out, paycheck <laughs> in, paycheck out. And I love what you say. It's interesting, isn't it? The amount of people that go in and this isn't just salespeople, but it's business owners do it to themselves. We put this self-limiting. I always think of a lot of people say they start off with a business. And they're like, if I can get to um, 10,000 a month, I'm all right. The second they get to it, they're like, ah, that big breathe out, life's all right. And the urgency stops, right? The priority stops instead of being as fast as you can, being as effective as you can. I love it. There's also one more thing too, just a bunny thing. You know, people look for things on sale, you know, and I, I lived in a world of not enough, a single mom that packed my dinner in a paper bag, raised six kids on her loan, worked two jobs. So work ethic was something ingrained in me, but also scarcity was ingrained in me. So I was always looking for the bargain. I was always wasting time, emotion, and value trying to find and negotiate for less. Instead of saying, I'm going to make more so I can afford that. I'm not going to worry about asking for a discount. I'm going to put all my energy in making more faster so I, right. And I see so many people in sales do the same thing. They're putting their attention and intention in what's missing, what they don't want, or what other people think, instead of putting their attention and intention on the coincidences that they want. The greatest mathematical sales question is, are you paying attention to and giving intention to the coincidences you want with your career? If you do, people will call you lucky because when coincidences happy that you that happen that you want or better than you want, people think you're lucky. It's not. It's attention and intention. I think for a lot of people that come into sales that have come from, let's say, nothing, no thing, like struggle, have a lot better, partly the hustle and grind, partly the fact they've seen struggle. So they realize how fortunate they are to have the very thing in front of them, right? But if you've got someone who's always had everything, it's a different type of person, right? A different type of animal has got to come out to keep that coal burning. Do you train people in a different way based on that? Or do you just go on a singular focus to become their potential? Yeah, so it's interesting because skills and knowledge, uh, they're the basement, right? That that determines your bottom. So if you grow up rich, you have a different bottom than if you grow up poor. But desire is what uh, equates to your potential.
And so where I differ uh, in my training with someone that grew up what we would might call entitled or with more is that understand their bottom is higher where there's an advantage, especially in sales, when you ha- you start from a low bottom, right? My, my bottom, and th- there's a risk too when you start at a low b- bottom, that's that you're not afraid of the bottom, which means you're more likely to reset your thermostat to the bottom like I did. I yeah. lost over $100 million. So I had to reset. I, I was one of the unlimited potential guys, right? I, I live in a world of more than enough. But I always had that bottom and I had to shift that energy of the bottom and say, I'm going to elevate my bottom. Uh, But skills and knowledge will determine how low you'll go. But desire is the only thing that will determine how high. I know you are pushed for time today because you're crazy busy. Have you got 30 seconds just to get yes, started? Right. So when you're talking about resetting the bottom, I'm someone I did well. I lost everything, built things back. But when we have that bottom and you get to that scarcity mentality, but but literally it's do or die, when thing, people get back to normal, how do people reset their minimum to be a higher level so that that's really their bottom? Could you give us some tips on that before you have to go? Yeah, so it's the same way that uh, I deal with, you know, buying, investing, charitable contribution is we have to take our emotions out of it and create logical, you know, it's like a stop loss in the stock market. You know, it's a very disciplined thing in order to effectuate where you're willing to put your bottom. See, the advantage of going up is that we're always can reset our bottom, but we have to put the practices and adhere to those practices. So I created five daily practices uh, that have allowed people to raise the bottom and reach their potential. And it's knowing what you want every day, taking in consideration intermediate and long-term objectives, knowing who you can help and who can help you. Then a bunch of strategy and discipline and how to get it done with lenses of productivity, accessibility, and gratitude for efficient, effective, statistically successful activities. And then knowing your now. I have a prioritization guide. I'll send it to everyone, david at dmeltzer.com, because I think prioritization is the key component of understanding where you are. Because if you're able and capable of prioritizing, then you're able and capable of getting things done. Prioritization cures procrastination. Mm. If you have gone and done the work of what, who, how, and not, what, who, and how, you will know what to do now. And when circumstances or situations arise you weren't intending to, you're going to know how to prioritize that accordingly, not by urgency, but what's important to you or the what, the who, and the how. And if you do that, you will not search for your why. You will not be in search of a why. You will apply your why. You will be in spirit, inspired, every day, only spending minutes and moments in the fear, the fear of missing out, the fear of other people's opinion, the fear of not hitting your number, only minutes and moments worrying about someone that said no. Instead, your whole perspective is, I'm not being punished, I'm being promoted and protected. A no is just telling me I'm one step closer to getting what I want. And this is the mindset, the heart set and the handset that we're looking for in order to effectuate the greatest salespeople on earth, the greatest job on earth is sales, the greatest opportunity opportunities ever exist today in sales. And it's been such a wonderful opportunity. Please, everyone reach out to me, David at dmeltzer.com. I am of service, especially for salespeople. So please email me and David, I will come back and we'll do this again. I, honestly, it's been an absolute joy. Having, I, I always I always knew whenever I spoke to you on a, on a podcast, you would not disappoint and you are amazing. I look, my goal is in the next two years to be on live, actual live stages 
shaking hands with you and talking and speaking on those stages. Thank you so, so much for coming on today. Um, I really do appreciate it. You've been amazing. Um, Ladies, gents, however you identify, uh, David Melcher has been a fantastic guest. We'll put the details at the bottom of this for for you to reach out to David directly. Uh, Remember to give us a follow, drop a rating, share it out to someone who needs this. People like David Meltzer are the very best of the very best of the very best. And that's why the Sales Masters podcast is here. So share it out to someone who needs it. Thanks, guys. And we'll see you on the next show. Thanks for tuning in. Remember, like, follow, subscribe, rate and review, and join me again on the next edition of the Sales Masters podcast.